Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, everyone. This will be our last episode before the summer break, and the timing couldn't be better. With summer vacation months upon us, at least here in the U.S., for those of us living with mobility issues, it adds on an extra layer of complexity and consideration into planning a trip. Things like, is your vacation rental going to have steps? Is it going to have an elevator? Are you going to be able to get to your connecting flight fast enough through the airport? Are you going to hold everybody back because you're slow? Are you even going to be able to enjoy yourself on the trip? You know what I'm talking about. Today's guest is going to tell you how you can conquer all of your fears with ease on a scooter. That's right. It's the mobility device you didn't know you needed. Maybe the mere thought of using one makes you want to stop listening. Maybe you think you're not ready or bad enough yet to use a scooter. Well, you can keep wasting your time and your physical energy trying to get all of your daily tasks completed. You can struggle through trying to keep up with the crowd. You can continue to rely on others to get you where you need or want to go. Or you can listen to today's guest debunk all of your misgivings and tell you how it's done. Join me in welcoming Jody Johnson, one of our fellow MS Jimmers, to the podcast. Hello, Jody Johnson, and thank you so much for coming on the MS Gym Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to share my story. Wonderful. I am excited to discuss with you scooter life. That, that's what I'm just calling it scooter life because you have taken the art of using a scooter to live as largely as you can, be as independent as you can with or without your kids, your family, you travel, you work, you are all about it. And I think that utilizing, there's so many mobility aids, you know, cane, walker, arm crutches. I think scooter, people just don't talk about it as much. It's like this huge tool that people just either aren't using, or if they are using it, they're not talking about it. Or there aren't as many people on social media talking about it. I don't know. But then I followed, I started following you on Instagram, not knowing that you were a member of the MS gym. And somebody messaged me. I'm like, she is? I think since 2018, I've been a member. I, I forgot to go back and look, but I think this is my fifth year. Like, well, me too. I was on in the, well, the, I think that was the first year. So I'm excited to bring to all of our listeners, MS gym member or not, I, I want to hear about your evolution after you were diagnosed. Didn't you have a rather rapid trajectory of your disability, like more rapid than you would typically think of with MS? Not that there's any one trajectory for MS disability, but how did yours evolve with regard to your mobility or lack of mobility? So yes, my mobility declined over the course of about a year. So about seven or eight years after my diagnosis, I began to feel like something wasn't right. Um, my symptoms weren't subsiding with rest or sleep or temperature control. And most of my symptoms throughout my 
MS history, so to speak, have been mobility related. Um, so foot drop, numbness and tingling in the legs. I have experienced MS fatigue sometimes. I mean, there's no mistaking MS fatigue, but the majority of my symptoms have really been in my legs and um, have been related to weakness. So I wasn't recovering as quickly after foot drop. Um, the foot drop was persistent and my legs felt heavier. I was experiencing my ankles turning out and tripping frequently, um, sudden falls, like my legs would just give way. So I began to, I guess, introduce mobility aids into my life at that time. The introduction to mobility aids for me feels like a blur because I sampled many of them over the course of that first year when I went from what I like to affectionately say from strolling to rolling. So at first I started to use a cane and again, I, I don't really remember how I acquired some of these mobility aids. I just, they just kind of showed up in my life. I remember using them. I remember being places with them. I remember, you know, the joy, I guess, if you could label it joy, but I remember feeling better that I had something that could help me continue doing the things I enjoy doing. And I also remember the frustration of not being ready to have a mobility aid and also being embarrassed, you know, having that feeling that people are staring at you. And especially since I was still in my thirties, it was, it was a difficult transition, but I started using canes to to help me keep my balance. And it gave me some leverage to kind of also lift my, my leg better. And I had a couple of homemade canes that my dad had handmade. He used to be a woodworker. And I also kept a foldable and adjustable um, handy cane in my car. And we had, you know, pre-planned vacations. We had plans to travel overseas the year that my mobility started to decline sharply. And we had events that we enjoyed going to. One of them was the U.S. Open. And as that started to approach, I realized that I would not be able to do the amount of walking required to go to the U.S. Open with my husband. So somehow I decided to rent a wheelchair. I remember speaking to my neurologist about it, but, you know, and he mentioned calling a medical supply store and I did. And so I rented a wheelchair from the senior depot and we took that to the U.S. Open and my husband was able to push me around and it was great. We had a nice time. But I remember also thinking that I wasn't not ready for this. I was not ready to be on wheels. I wasn't ready to accept it. I wasn't ready for this next chapter in my life. I didn't want this to be the next chapter in my life. So at the same time that I felt good about being able to attend the US Open with my husband and not fatigue my legs or not hold him back from, you know, being able to do all the things that we used to do, walk around and you know, watch the tennis match and I don't know just, you know, be there kind of freely. I also felt very small and there's only one picture of me and it's not even in the full wheelchair. You can just tell that I'm sitting in a wheelchair in that event. And my shoulders were sort of pitched forward and I, I can just see the look in my eyes. It's maybe not noticeable to everybody else, but it was really a turning point for me. And I just felt 
so small in that moment. After renting that first wheelchair for the U.S. Open, I discovered that places like the zoo and museums had wheelchairs on site that patrons could use for free. So it was another thing that we could do with the kids, take them to the museum, take them to the zoo, and enjoy a full day at these places. And, you know, without me getting fatigued walking or me not being able to go because I couldn't walk the distance. Again, that was required to get around. In speaking with the gentleman at the senior depot when I rented the wheelchair, I started to explain why I needed it. And he didn't even realize at first that I had rented it for myself. He thought I was renting it for someone else because I was ambulatory. I could walk into the senior depot with the wheelchair and I could walk out. But I explained to him that while I could walk these short distances, I wasn't able to walk long distances and that I had multiple sclerosis and that it was affecting my mobility. So he had suggested that I try a walker wheelchair combo. And I ended up purchasing one from him. It was called The Duet by Drive Medical. And it was a great option. So I could walk as far as I felt good. And I could, you know, instead of just resting in the walker, a lot of walkers, you have a little seat, you can sit down and rest in them. It converted to a wheelchair. So the back bar just flipped around and it had pedals for my feet. And then this way, my husband or family or friends could push me when I got tired. And that walker wheelchair combo was great and served a lot of purposes for us. We were able to travel with it on the airplane. So we took it to Portugal and Portugal was a tough city to get around with the walker wheelchair combo or really any mobility aid because of the cobblestone streets and it's a historic city. So a lot of the buildings really weren't accessible for disabled people, but we made it work. And again, I was in that transition phase where I could walk some and then I needed to be pushed others. I was still able to balance sometimes on my own two feet or hold on to a door while we hoisted the walker up into a restaurant or store wherever we were going. We took the walker wheelchair to Costa Rica and I went zip lining in it. I mean, it <laughs> the things that we did with that walker wheelchair were were great and crazy at the same time when I look back and and think about it. But I was willing to push myself and I you know was getting more and more comfortable with needing it and and unapologetically using it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, the people staring, it's not you, it's them. And it took me a long time to realize that. But anyway, I had a lot of fun in the walker wheelchair. And it there came a point in time that I really could only walk the short distances within my home. And I was able to get around, you know, like holding onto the walls or using my cane. I didn't really use a walker in my home for a while. I just kind of skirted the perimeter of the house from room to room, wherever I needed to go. Or I would kind of, you know, do a balancing game where I would shuffle from side to side. I would say, okay, if I could take one or two steps from this doorway to the dining room chair, I can grab the dining room chair and then make it into the kitchen or whatever. So during this transition, I between occupational therapy and um, the Department of Rehab Services when we lived in in Connecticut, they were able to help me acquire my first scooter. And the first scooter I got was a GoGo Pride. And 
it was everything that I had been missing. I mean, I couldn't believe that I hadn't known about a scooter. And I don't, again, I don't remember any preconceived notions that I had about any of these things when, you know, as I was transitioning into them. And I didn't know that they made scooters that came apart and that could fit in your car. And I don't know, it was, you know, it's, it's that old saying, like, you only know what you know. (laughs) And so I went and picked up this scooter and they showed me how to take it apart and put it together so it would fit in my car. And I came home and I was so excited. I showed my husband how to put it together and you know, it was something that we could still do together. I, again, I, I still had some balance. I was, you know, I could hold on to things and help him or, you know, balance a little bit, but he was able to do it himself. And I remember calling one of my best friends and I said, let's go to the mall. I haven't been to the mall in almost a year because I wasn't able to get around. And I really didn't even want to use the wheelchairs that they had at guest services at the mall. So we took my scooter to the mall. She was able to take it out of my car and put it together with me. And we had the best time. I could go into stores by myself and it just felt freeing. And I've always been an independent person. And I had, I didn't know that I was looking for a scooter, but what the scooter gave me was my independence back. I didn't need someone pushing me. I didn't have to wait on anybody. Yes, I needed help taking the scooter apart and putting it in my car, which meant that someone always had to be with me, but there was still that space that it allowed me to to be free and the space for the person that I was with so that they could do what they wanted to do and didn't feel like they needed to look after me and it was just wonderful. So we used that scooter for a couple of years and I really used all of my mobility aids. I used whatever I needed based on how I was feeling. So it's it it became this thing where I had like my fleet, right? So I had two or three wooden canes in the closet. I had my handy cane in the car. I had my walker wheelchair combo. And now I had this red scooter and we had young children at the time. So most of the traveling we did was road trips and we would just put the scooter in the back of the car and it did take up a lot of room. So we had to pack lightly or, you know, we stuffed everything in there and we would go and the go-go pride was a great option. Um, it went on grass, goes on gravel, went on roads and sidewalks. We took it to different cities, um, New York City, Washington, DC, Baltimore. We lived in that on the East Coast at the time. So that was sort of my evolution of mobility aids. So please tell me more about your current scooter, which is all over your Instagram that you lovingly refer to as the bumblebee. So as the kids grew a little bit and we wanted to start traveling more and I couldn't wrap my head around how I would be able to get this go-go pride on an airplane. And since then, I I have seen people with the go-go pride three-wheel scooter, the one that comes apart into three pieces And I just didn't, at the time, I couldn't figure out how this was going to work and how it was going to go smoothly with, even if it was just my husband and I traveling, how are we going to manage this three-part scooter? What was the liability of the airlines at the time? I mean, we knew we could take it on the plane, but it just didn't, it didn't feel like the right option for us, especially if we decided to take the kids. I mean, it just seemed 
like I wasn't really able to walk on my own or stand on my own anymore. So we started researching travel scooters and we found this one, Bumblebee, which I have now, and it's called the Transformer and it's yellow and I love her. And we named it Bumblebee because my son used to play with Transformers. And so the Transformer electric folding mobility scooter by Solax folds up into a large suitcase, basically the size of a large suitcase. And so we aptly named her Bumblebee. And Bumblebee has four wheels, which is one of the reasons that we bought her because it's you're less likely to tip a scooter on four wheels because <laughs> I did tip my red scooter a couple of times. And it folded up into one piece. There were not multiple pieces. It was approved for airline travel. The battery profile was much smaller, so much easier to take on board. And the charging seemed to be quicker than on my red scooter. The battery seemed to just charge more easily. And it had, it was advertised as having about a 14 mile distance um, that it would go in between charges and it goes about four miles an hour, but it just, it was, it just seemed like a better option for us. And there are so many scooters on the market. You kind of have to decide what's important for you um, and make a list of, I mean, do your research first, figure out what's out there and you'll quickly, you know, come to realize that you know, I want a, a travel scooter that folds in one piece, or I need something that's a bit more bulky or more rugged. I mean, Bumblebee is really not a rugged scooter, although she goes on a lot of different surfaces and I've taken her all over the place. Um, you know, she's not a rugged scooter, but she was stylish and colorful and a slim profile. And she goes on most terrain. It, the um, the Solax fits in many different size vehicles. And it was easier for me to, even before I had my um, car outfitted for a mobility aid, I now have a lift in my car and I have adaptive driving controls, uh, hand controls. But before that, Bumblebee is easy enough for one person to lift. She weighs about 55 pounds. And that seems to be about the industry standard for travel scooters. But you can, you know, I could call a taxi or I could call an Uber or a Lyft. And I, I do always have to pay a little bit more and get the Uber XL or the Lyft XL um, because with the with the smaller Ubers, you you don't know what type of car you're getting until they're on their way. And it, it is a little tight in some trunks. I mean, like, I'm not sure that it would fit in like a Honda. You know, it's just too small of a car. So... It opened up so many more doors for us. And one of the first trips that I took with Bumblebee in the air was with my best friend to New Mexico. And we spent a week touring New Mexico. We went to Albuquerque and Taos and Santa Fe, and we went to the Pueblo Reservation. And we just had so much fun. And her biceps were definitely a little bit stronger. <laughs> After that trip, having to lift Bumblebee in, in and out of the SUV that we rented, I think we rented a RAV4. But we had so much fun. And I, I re-caught the bug. I was ready. And since then, so that was 2018, uh, April of 2018, that we went to New Mexico. And Five years later, Bumblebee has been on over 40 flights, and I am now on Bumblebee version three because the airline has twice damaged the scooter, but they were very um, gracious about replacing her in a very short um, 
time frame. And at first it was a little bumpy and I had a lot of help from my internet friends getting the attention of American Airlines, but they did replace Bumblebee. And it unfortunately happened again about a year later and they replaced her again. So, but anyway, so she's been on 40 flights and it honestly is one of the best purchases I've ever made. Um, I unfortunately don't use my canes anymore because I don't have the balance to do so. And I don't have the the strength in my right leg to, to push it forward. So unfortunately, I either have to lift my leg or swing it or just kind of drag it along. And I just, scooter life is a good life. It really is. Scooter life is a good life. It has even the walker wheelchair combo, the duet. Between the duet and Bumblebee, I have been able to volunteer at my kids' schools. I have been able to go on trips. I have been able to go to concerts and sporting events and museums and the zoo and all around. I've been all around and I continue, I I intend to continue to keep going. So if there's anything that I want to leave you with, it's to say, keep going. Well, Jody, thank you so, so much for coming on. I am hoping that somebody, even if it's one person who's been on the fence about getting a scooter, as soon as they're done listening to this, they go and they start Googling scooters, mobility devices, or where they can get them, how quickly they can get them so they can spend their summer living with MS. Yes. Yes. It's perfect timing for that. Thank you so much for having me. I love sharing my story. I am open to, if any listeners want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at MS Jody Johnson. You can send me a direct message through there and I will answer and I can't speak highly enough about the freedom and independence that you will gain from using things that are available for you. Wonderful. And I will, I'll be including links to your scooter, to the Bruno lift that you discussed. And there were a couple of other things in there. Now I can't remember, but I will be including links from this episode in the episode notes. Okay. So people can look those up as well. I can send you the Vigal. I think my hand controls are by a company called Vigal. Okay, cool. Thank you. For more information on the MS Gym, you can find them on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and at www.themsgym.com. We'll see you on the next episode.